Let's bring in our doctor, Dr. Mitch Shulman. Nice to have you, sir. Thank you. Okay, so we always have to be cautious when we talk about things that are being linked to cancer or in this case to autism and ADHD, but apparently it's a plastic additive that may have a link. Yeah, be very careful with this. They're claiming uh, it's they're claiming that because certain people with ADHD and specifically as well autism um, seem to have problems metabolizing uh, this type of plastic that is found commonly is uh, uh, in many plastics previously, bisphenol A, BPA. And basically, they found that glucouridation, which is the process whereby these plastics are metabolized and gotten out of your body, doesn't work as well in a small sampling of children with ADHD and with autism compared to a normal, uh, normal neurally development, a normally neurally developed, good grief, <laughs> Sorry about that. Children. Um, and so the, the comment was, so maybe this is why, or maybe this contributes to it. it. It's flimsy evidence at best. It certainly builds to our understanding of what's going on. Maybe there is a link. And certainly there's nothing good from using products that contain uh, BPA. So if you are a parent and you have kids, um, maybe you shouldn't be heating up in the microwave a container which has BPA in it. And you'll notice that this is a little bit late coming because we've been cycling out these types of products for a while now over concerns where there may be hormone disruption or environmental effects on fish and other organisms uh, that live in the water when this stuff leaches into it. So interesting, yes. Another reason for you perhaps not to microwave wave or to use containers with this type of stuff, sure. Uh, I, I'm not going to object to that, but I certainly wouldn't use this as the smoking gun, the definitive proof that this is the cause of autism or ADHD. Clearly, it's uh, you know not an oddball statement. Some people live longer than others, and apparently people who live really long have perhaps exceptional blood. Are they vampires? Uh, no, what they were doing, yeah, maybe they are. Maybe that's what's been going on. Vampires are slowly taking over the world. Um, no, we know that the fastest gro growing group of people are the centenarians and the non-octenarians, the people that are leaving to 90 and 100. And it's incredible. When I started off in medicine, when I would sign over at the, bo at the board first thing in the morning, you know, I talk about this elderly 65-year-old male. So they were all males, and no one lived beyond 65 or 70. It was considered, oh my goodness. Now you regularly have people in their 90s and their 100s living active lives in the community um, on their own. Um, now, there are many reasons for this. And so one of the things the researchers were trying to figure out is maybe there's something in their blood. And what they were looking for is markers in their blood that might indicate things that were going on inside the body. So they looked at things like your, your concentration of uric acid, cholesterol, iron, albumin, which is a, a protein in your blood. And they basically sound, yeah, there are certain of these that are higher in people that go on to live to 100 and certain of these that are lower in people that live to be 100. But whether it's cause or effect, whether it's something happening in the metabolism that leads to this, that therefore leads to them being 100, or they live to be 100 and this is what happens, they can't say. And this is a large cohort they've been following in Sweden, over 40,000 people they've been following for over 35 years. So definitely interesting work, but practically, I don't know about you, but there's not much I can do about my uric acid, right? Other than eat properly, exercise, and get enough rest. So you're already doing that, all of you, I know that. 
Um, so maybe this is yet another reason why you should be carrying through with that. It's interesting because I've read these studies about certain towns and mostly the towns and villages where people live to mm -hmm. an extraordinarily old age. So maybe it's more than just the environment around them, the food they eat. It's in the blood and they come from a small blood pool. Exactly. In other words, they come from a genetic background. And they say one of the most important predictors of how long you're going to live is how long your parents lived or live. Okay. Um, so certainly there's a strong genetic component to longevity. But uh, you can destroy that if you don't take good care of yourself, or you can improve it and live longer than them if you do take good care of yourself. So it, it isn't written in the stars how long it, you will live, but the potential is there. Okay, I always remember my parents, who did live to a great old age, in the morning would take these handfuls of vitamins, and apparently it's not a good idea. No. Look, first off, do you really need to take a multivite or vitamins or all these things? And you should have that long conversation with your doctor, your pharmacist about which ones you need. Certainly vitamin D at this time of the year is something you want to consider as the sun is no longer strong enough to stimulate vitamin D production in your skin. But when should you take your vitamins? And so the comment is some of them may be of more benefit if you take them in the morning. Others might be of more benefit if you take them later on in the day or in the evening. So for example, magnesium which is a supplement, an elemental salt, that people, especially with heart disease, are suggesting that we should be taking more of and have adequate levels of in our bloodstream. That's probably better if you take it in the evening because it's a calming uh, element, it's a calming uh, medication. On the other hand, the vitamin B complexes that some people are taking, I hope for the right reasons, might be better off if you take them in the morning uh, because they energize your body and supposedly help you to keep your energy levels high. Having said all that, you should really be thinking about what you're taking, why you're taking it, and at the end of the day, if you're taking the right vitamins as long, or multivitamins or minerals or supplements, whatever it is, it's more important that you're taking the right ones than the time of the day when you take them at the end of the day. So in only one week, Dr. Mitch, I bumped into two friends who tell me they're using Ozempic, and one of them is suffering this side effect that I know you want to talk about this morning gastroparesis. Look, um, this is the first study in the Journal of the American Medical Association looking at large numbers of people taking Ozempic and or other members of the GLP-1 uh, family. These are things like semaglutide, liraglutide, um, taking it not for diabetes and seeing what their incidence of side effects were. And lo and behold, as predicted, pancreatitis, which is inflammation of the pancreas, uh, tummy problems, and paralysis of the stomach, the emptying of the stomach, were all significantly increased in people who were on this class of medications. So if you're going to take it, take it for the right reasons, but be aware of the fact that it may cause side effects, some of which may be very difficult to reverse. A gastroparesis, paralysis of the tummy, is a miserable, miserable condition, uh, painful um, and very uh, with vomiting and weight loss, but not the way you want to lose it. And so you really want to avoid that if you can. So therefore, you shouldn't be taking this medication unless you really need to. Thank you, sir. Always a pleasure. Have a great morning. That's our medical correspondent, Dr. Mitch Shulman.